Games Podcast. The best Linux games, the best games available for the uh, GNU slash Linux operating system via the mechanism and distribution network known as Steam, brought to you by Valve. After 700,000 years, the Steam has come to Linux, and beyond that, it has come to Linux in the form of a egalitarian Linux-like platform, Steam, an open marketplace in which everyone, total meritocracy, everyone, regardless of size, amount of money, regardless of amount of developers, and prospective sales, if you have a game, and it is good, then get time and it will thrive, and you will be rewarded. It's Saturday, and that means it's time for one thing. It's time for the podcast where the quality goes in before the name goes on. You're listening to the Best Linux Games Podcast, a companion piece to the uh, Steam group of the same name. Find us on Steam, you know, uh, join us on Steam, and friend me on Steam. My name is Scooky Sprite. I am your host. In case this is your first time here, uh, the ground rules for everything that we do are very simple. We have news, we have the latest titles that we are interested in, of course, features, you know, like kind of in-depth looks or reviews, and then we have, of course, everyone's favorite, the deals, uh, the best games that you can buy for as cheap as possible. If you join us on the group, our recommendations are curated with the sole criteria of It must run on Linux, and it must be really good. These are recommendations only, of course. Uh, not complete reviews, which generally will follow, um, especially once they get some other mofos on this show. And as always, the content that awaits you ahead may not be appropriate for members of all species, races, genders, classes, creeds, and especially might not be age or work appropriate. So, it begins. Let's get the next game on, bitches! Hello and welcome to episode number 264 of the Best Linux Games Podcast being recorded for you on this Friday the 15th of November uh, 2019 at 15.16 make it uh, 3.16 p.m. Pacific Coast Time Coast with the most left coast crack engineer Ivor Molina holding up the whiskey sign, but he says, first I have to do a correction. Last week was one of the rare week rare weeks where we forgot. Try saying that five times fast when you're drunk. Rare weeks when we forgot. Rare weeks when we forgot to do the great justice that we owe to my my uh, compatriots, my brethren, our sequel friends. I forgot to do the sequel the one true times time date format adjustment last week. First time in a long time that I forgot to do it, but anyway, we will not forget to do it this week, 2019 11-15-15-17 uh, uh, Now, oh, Ivor is man, Ivor is looking bad, man <clears throat> Ivor is reminding me of a Master Shake in that episode of Aquatween Aquatween Wow, take the marbles out of your mouth Skokie, Aquatine where uh 
with the drizzle and Master Shake gets all eaten up by the radioactive worms and grows a platypus tail and is leaking anyway yeah he, you, you look better Ivor alright whiskey time it is there good Ivor you're fired you're looking and smelling very strange alright speaking of very strange let's get straight to our top stories because we have a huge fucking episode for you this week I can promise you this about this week's episode of this podcast that you're listening to if I can pull off this episode if I can just describe accurately all the all the aspects of our feature this week appropriately um all of your head should explode and uh it'll be like the greatest and most offensive episode of the podcast ever but that leads us to the disclaimer of all the episodes of this podcast that we've ever done this is by far like you know every week we run with our intro where we say that this is not safe for work it might not be work or children appropriate you know blah blah blah. this one this episode is completely focused almost entirely on unbelievable graphic sex acts and porn and stuff in detail I think I think we're going to go into severe detail we're talking what's that oh him hey I think this is porn Good call, Ivor, and indeed, you would be right. But that is for our feature. Before we get there, we have like a full normal episode. We reshuffled everything around because there's some deals this week, so we're going to do our top stories, which actually contains the feature that we were going to run with this week before I discovered this uh, amazing... Hey, I think this is porn! Exactly. Um, But we'll get to that. You know, blah. So if you are worried about the porno factor, the extreme, extraordinary porno factor of this week's episode, then you do not have to be concerned until we get to our feature, which I've moved to the very end. And I will not even tell you what our feature is about because there's a lot of, I want to build the mystery a little bit. So we are kind of in a way bearing the lead, but that's okay because as a countermeasure, hidden right here inside of our very first top story, actually our only top story, I have a huge topic that I want to rant about um, and that I think everyone else in the game, oh shit, sorry about this, oh god damn it everyone else in the, you know, the, the world of video games and shit is already, if they're not already a buzz about it, then they should be a buzz about it because it's gonna be crazy Something very insane is going to happen next week. Do you know what that is, Ivor? Ivor is just... Ivor has just been masturbating compulsively against the glass, like some sort of orangutan ever since I mentioned the word porn. Chill out there, old buddy. This 19th, this November 19th, that would make it, uh, well, Wednesday of next week, or, uh, 
Tuesday of next week. Meaning that this day will come and go. This is the last time we'll have time to talk to each other, to one another. Um, prior to next week's episode, which will be like four days afterwards. Next week, on Tuesday, Google Stadia ostensibly drops. Now, there are many, many, many things about Google Stadia, but what I want to hit you with right now are some cautionary predictive things about what could happen between now, then, and then the next time we speak. First of all, for those of you who don't know, and for those of you who may have underestimated, we sure as fuck haven't on this here show. Because, um, I mean, we did a two and a half... Someone was asking me, I think it was Master Andy Wan in the Discord, was asking me about Google Stadia or something. I'm like, wait, did you not hear our episode? I think it's pretty long, and so I dug it up. It's two and a half hours long on Google Stadia. Don't worry, this week's episode is going to be much shorter than that, but Basically, in that episode, which was from E3, it's from like seven months ago or something like that, um, I outlined why the game industry really should be the game industry and, and video fans of video games should be way more interested and or concerned about Google Stadia. Basically, numerous reasons, go tick through them very quickly just off the top of my head number one, if it works, it will completely change the entire fucking face of the video game industry, two, it'll also re- I mean, not the face, but just the, the not, not just the face, but the actual structure, the inner workings the relationships, inner corporate relationships um, in the entire video game industry including will send shockwaves, the likes of which one cannot even really predict and or imagine at this point throughout um, the hardware aspect of the video game industry. And I'm not just talking about, you know, PC component uh, suppliers. I'm not just talking about the manufacturers of graphics cards, although it will be sp- particularly interesting to see what the fuck they're going to do if this whole thing works. Wait, hang on. We're getting ahead of ourselves. For those of you who don't understand what Google Stadia is, Google Stadia, here's how it works. Google Stadia is a Xbox 360-looking controller. That's all it is. Uh, well, that, and it comes with a Chromecast thing. You plug that into your TV, okay? That's all it is. That's it. And yet, it is also a game system. It The reason why we cover it uh, so much here on Best Links Games Podcast is because it's running uh, ac- it's actually running Linux, Linux but it's a proprietary, you know, whatever Google's version of Linux that they've made for Google Stadia the thing about Stadia is it doesn't have a console that you plug that controller into, that controller plugs into your TV the controller is a normal size controller, there is no special hardware inside the controller there is no computer for Google Stadia. There is no place you plug in the controller except for the TV. TV can be any normal TV. The way Google Stadia works is then it live streams the operating system and the game that you want to play from Google's servers, including multiplayer and including 
built-in integrated live streaming. Um, so there's like double redundancy, like right there, like in terms of like the amount of bandwidth that this is gonna require per user. Um all of these people, all of these people playing the latest AAA titles will be playing them without having to buy a, uh, a a new computer, a different computer, a computer specifically to play on their TV, or a console, or a console to specifically play on their TV, or whatever. Google Stadia, uh, I, I got a Founders Edition when they first launched, and I pre-ordered. I think it was... Uh, I want to say it's like 130 bucks, and then I think it's like 10 bucks a month um, for the service, and then you have to pay for the games. It's not compatible with Steam or anything like that. But what this means is that for 130 bucks, and then less than the uh, monthly subscription to Xbox Gold. You can play the latest games that all your friends are playing depending on your internet connection and depending on whether or not it works without ever having to buy any piece of hardware. And if you go over to other people's houses and stuff, you can plug your fucking shit right in. I mean, it's not designed for couch multiplayer, but like if they don't have like uh, Google Stadia, you can just you don't have to drag over a computer. You don't have to, you know, blah. You bring your controller over, and that's it. You have to trade off on the controller. So, the implications for the game industry, if this works, now, are staggering. Now, here are my cautionary predictions about what's going to happen and what could possibly happen between now, the 19th, and then the, the following Friday when we'll be we will have seen the early results theoretically of what Google Stadia, what hell Google Stadia hath wrought. And I'm, I, you know, I'm very I'm very excited. Mm. Because if any other company, if, you know, Skooky Sprite or Ivor Molina Game Company or whatever came out with this idea, everyone would say, you're full of shit and it will never work and fucking hit the bricks, pal, because it's a stupid idea. But this is not any other company. In fact, this is the biggest company in the world. This is Google. And beyond that, and Google has resources, not just monetarily, but server resources, the likes of which no one but the NSA, and, and I'm not making this up, no one else but the NSA, Netflix, and that's basically it have and can leverage the uh, network architecture and infrastructure that they have secretly put into place ostensibly to make Google Stadia run will, if it's successful, will make it, forget all of the industry implications that fact alone will make it one of the most revolutionary moments not just in terms of video game history but in terms, it's going to be the biggest server load test ever that's basically what it's going to be um, on the 19th when they start shipping ostensibly so here's some things that could happen and here's some things to look out for 
And I don't care if you're a Google Stadia naysayer, and I don't care if you don't give a fuck about Google Stadia. These are very interesting things to think about. On the 19th, ostensibly when they're supposed to ship, I don't know if they're supposed to arrive on the 19th or if they're just supposed to ship on the 19th. So that's scenario one, is that no one gets a Google Stadia on the 19th, even people like me who ordered seven months ago or whatever. Maybe we'll get it a little later on in the week. Maybe some will get it. Maybe there will be a shortage. Maybe, and judging by how Google has adjusted their founder's edition to like now it's pre-order and all this shit maybe demand has exceeded their ability to supply actual you know boxes with the gamepad in it and stuff furthermore so we might see like a trickle of Google Stadia like I might be talking to you for the next three weeks or three months even. My Google Stadia still has not yet arrived, you know, blah, 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 blah. And there could be uproar and, you know, whatever. All and so, you know, you, you can judge, you know, make your own judgments from based over that. But even more likely is that it will ship and that many, many people will have Google Stadia by like this time next week. Which leads us to the other, and I think this is kind of an inevitable and foregone conclusion, and anyone with half a brain has probably already imagined this, but I want to say, especially to people who are like Google Stadia naysayers, especially people in the media who, um, you know, thought, like, I'm just thinking about, thinking about all of the terrible coverage of Linux games that I read uh, by mainstream media sources like uh, Wired and stuff like that. Wired didn't do too badly, but like, you know, all the major game industry, game journalist uh, websites basically were like, ah, you know, gaming is dead on Linux, and that was obviously not the takeaway from Proton. And they were like on that like a heart, like in a flash. So if Google Stadia, Google Stadia will almost certainly experience unbelievable hiccups. There has never been a rollout like this in the history of gaming. And this all goes back directly to the idea of this being the ultimate biggest network flip the switch smoke test in terms of load balancing and uh, resource allocation. Like, you know, I... I don't know what kind of server farms they have or, you know, blah, but it had better be, like, twice as amazing as what Netflix has, and Netflix, which also runs ZFS, um, along with yours truly, uh, they have the most fucking load-intensive network infrastructure in the world, other than the NSA. Really, because you know, they have to stream a billion movies every second to everyone. And so they have regional distrib their like regional distribution centers to like make sure that the load doesn't get intense across the entire network. And it took them years to put this system together. Google is going to try to replicate that and make it even harder and make it a hundred percent demand intensive. Like, you know, if your movie starts buffering, that's one thing. If your game starts buffering, that is another. And that would mean that their that their attempt to offload the CPU cycles and the necessity of having any sort of operating system onto a remote server that is streaming the video in 1080p 
of the game that you're playing while you're live streaming it and streaming that back across your own network, it's going to be a catastrophe. I mean, it's inevitable. If it runs out of the box, if if the 19th comes and everyone gets their Google Stadia and everyone plugs them in and 80% of those people are not incredibly disappointed after six hours, I will be stunned. So, here's what you need to look for going forward as you follow the news about Google Stadia and its rollout, provided that it actually occurs next week. Over the first three months, there has to be legit load balancing and then reprovisioning of actual hardware. They will have to build and set up more fucking network infrastructure. We're talking data centers and we're talking about server farms because they need CPU cycles. I mean, ostensibly they have done this already, but there's no way to test for this kind of load. I mean, there's just no way to simulate it. I mean, you could simulate it, but it's a simulation. Um, You could simulate it against a neural network that is intentionally trying to fuck with you, like in terms of creating huge load spikes or whatever, you know, blah, 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 blah. But that's still all just a simulation. It doesn't cover everyone, everyone's play experience from from uh, Los Angeles to Las Vegas to Barstow to Bakersfield to New York to Seattle to Chicago to um, Yuma, Arizona. I imagine that the play experiences will be drastically different across those markets and it will take some time to stabilize. I'm going to say about three months because Google, and that's the thing, like for whatever resources Google already has um, provisioned and set up for all of it, for this insane fucking project, I think it's going to work. And that's, and here's why I think it's going to work. I don't think it's going to work immediately. I think it'll take about three months for it to stabilize. I think it will work within the first... If if it works at all within the first three weeks of people actually having Stadia and Stadia being up and running, but them having the actual, you know, token um, gamepads and stuff, what's... What... I think it will work in some way, shape, or form, but if they can stabilize it in the first three weeks, three weeks, not three months, then that will be one of the most major technological feats ever performed in internet history and video game history and technological history. Um, If it stabilizes within those first three weeks, now, if it doesn't stabilize within those first three weeks, if the if the play experience is still spotty and fucked up and etc., this is why I think Google will make it work, because Google has more money than God. And they are willing to spend it. Google doesn't launch shit like this that requires... This isn't like Google Reader, all the fucked up services and stuff that, you know, they would get us addicted to and then we'd all come to rely on and they would just randomly discontinue them, you know, or whatever. Um, This is something... This is a project that is like a... uh, What do you call it? Um, It's them trying to add a key part of the future to their portfolio 
This is their entrance into video games. And Google doesn't fuck around when it comes to spending money on shit like this. They might not pay their engineers enough. They might not pay to keep every project, regardless of popularity, going in perpetuity that everyone loves. They might buy YouTube and then fuck up YouTube beyond all fucking recognition, which they did through mismanagement and basically like a, we're acquiring an asset that we're just gonna fuck with in every possible way until we, you know, almost destroy it. This is them launching a physical piece of hardware that's going to cement if it works, it will cement Google as the major player in the entire game industry. Think about it, because it obviates the entire idea for consumer, um, for your average consumer to buy any consumer-grade electronics ever again in terms of video games. You won't have to buy a console ever again. Because if this works, it will be the new model. You won't buy a new graphic card ever again. That's something I'm looking forward to. Because a thousand bucks every, you know, fucking however many years. You know, I'm back on that treadmill again. And I, after I said, for 15 fucking years, I said I'd never, ever get sucked back into buying video cards, you know, every, you know, every year or so with the latest release cycle. Uh, I've been kind of on that treadmill for the last three years. VR has not helped me. If this becomes the new model, everything changes. And guess what? Google will be sitting on top of it. So before you, before everyone rejoices in those first chaotic three weeks, and I can't imagine that it would be anything less than a fucking shit show for the first three weeks. And then a month and a half later, it still says, oh, Google Stadia still sucks and dies. Unless they are experiencing returns or lawsuits or class action suits or something at that point, I would keep my mouth shut and wait until at least halfway through the next fiscal quarter because that's when they will have had enough time to adjust everything and then you'll know how serious they are. And I think they're pretty serious. So, that's, those are my predictions for Google Stadia. And that's, you know, how, that's the short version of how I think the rollout's going to go and what I think it might mean for the game industry. And remember, kids, it'll be running basically a version of Linux, Google's version of Linux, which is just hilarious because I can't wait to see what Destiny 2, Destiny 2 runs on Google Stadia and it still doesn't fucking run on Steam. It's going to be hilarious. It'll be like one of those extra pieces of uh, of confirmation through experience, if not through actual fact as told by the developers and publishers uh, that you just don't give a fuck about Linux and you've just been fucking with us intentionally for all this time. But anyway, now that brings us to our new and noteworthy. I was a North American fall when worm in my former life. Here are the newest and most noteworthy titles from this week. So, in case you've been living underneath a rock, you probably know, along with the rest of us, that um, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order was released last night on Steam and across all platforms, evidently. Um... 
I'm not sure if it had a console release earlier in the month or what. I don't I could give a fuck. I don't have a console anymore. Um and I was pretty sure that it would not run on Linux. But I pre-ordered it five hours before its street date. And then watched the <gasps> excuse me. Watched the timer until it became available on Steam eagerly, anxiously, and then finally downloaded it. And then began the installation process. And guess what? It doesn't run on Linux. Not yet. It crashes for me. I posted a report to ProtonDB. Um, and I imagine this is everyone's experience. And according to Br- Monsieur Le Boisseau on Wheels, the bird on wheels. How do you say wheels in French? Can't remember. Um, but uh, according to him, it doesn't even run on Windows. Although he did j- say that he just managed, like literally just before we started to record this episode of the podcast, that he managed to log in. And, but the problem is for Linux users, um, a game even though it's a single player game, it's an electronic arts game, EA game, it runs with their new origin launcher thing, I don't know, maybe I knew about this before, maybe I didn't, but I don't give a fuck because it's just one of those things that is in the way of anything working, and so I, and there's lots of those things, like, you know, from back in the day when I was bitching about Denovo, and then EAC was a frequent victim, and then EAC got fixed, and then it got bought out by Epic, and Epic now fucked all of us. Fuck you, Epic. But anyway, I thought there was a chance that it might work. I'm gonna have to return it. Um, Because the origin, it wants to install, it starts up fine, but then in terms of the install process, uh, but then it, once it, once you have to install the origin client launcher thing or whatever, um, it freaks out and just shuts down quietly and then hangs my Steam actually, and even after killing all of the associated shit that it launched via, you know, PIDs, manually from the terminal, including Steam. Steam isn't performant again until I reboot the fucking computer. So, that was a big buzzkill. But, maybe, who knows, maybe it can be fixed. There are no, currently there are no posted reports on ProtonDB. Um, and so, over the next, you know, three days, five days, we'll see if uh, people smarter than myself uh, have attempted tweaks to fix it or maybe found workarounds or whatever. And then if that doesn't work, we'll just have to wait until EA Origin dies a fiery death. Um, so that'll be the end of time, evidently. Or until Google, Google Stadia comes out, in which case, bet you we can probably play Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order on there. No big deal. It's in the show notes. It's 60 bucks. I Like I said, I'm going to return mine um, immediately. But one game that does run, that is brand new, that came out today, runs with a caveat, is Terminator Resistance, which is a first-person shooter uh, that takes place in the uh, just freshly post-apocalyptic, newly nuked, robot-controlled portions of California uh, as you play a grunt in the resistance alongside of John Connor against the rise of the Terminator merciless Terminator robot machines who are exterminating humanity in the streets like cockroaches Mm. this is very exciting there's one caveat to this game though 
while it does run on Linux, it doesn't look that great. I mean, the game itself just does not look that great. Even like people who I looked, uh, I mean, it looks okay. It looks, it looks fine to me, but it's, it's, the graphics are like gritty post apocalyptic first person shooter shit. So, you know, it doesn't leave them a lot of room to work with. It's like a kind of a gritty, shittier looking world that they're working in, blah. But even people, we're running it on Windows and shit, we're like, yeah, the game just, it's not that pretty. The game is just not that pretty. But it is fun. So if you liked Alien Isolation, Terminator Resistance is the Terminator equivalent of Alien Isolation. There is lots of survival stealth mechanics, like you're being hunted by the machines and you know, blah, you have a lot of cool you have some cool gadgetry and some cool weaponry one of the the only cool gadget gadget that I got to experience so far was the uh, ultimate view thing, which is like a um, combination between a thermal binocular robot sensor and um, allows you to see through walls so um, that's kind of cool uh, ostensibly I think you're being guided by John Connor over the radio, but I'm not entirely sure, I I, meh, I don't know, now there is a, and the reason why I'm not entirely sure is there's a caveat to this, there are from what I can tell, the cinema sequences are inoperative right now on Linux I tried um, both my hard, my by hand uh, method for uh, patching the Media Foundation shit um, and then I also tried MF install from the GitHub repository, uh, and neither one had any effect on Terminator resistance, at least that I can tell in terms of it showing me the goddamn cinema sequences. So, you can play it, but it's gonna be confusing because there's no story cinema sequences, so it's like you don't get an intro cinema, you don't get interstitial cinemas, you just like wake up in game and it's a little, it's very weird and it's very jarring and I'm not going to be playing Terminator Resistance um, because of that, but I will not be returning it because it does run out of the box on Linux we'll see if, uh, again, same thing with um, as with uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, we'll see over if over the coming uh, three to five days or maybe more longer than that Hope, hopefully not much longer than that, hopefully it's not forever like Echo been waiting forever for Echo to fix its goddamn cinema sequences. Um, hopefully other people on ProtonDB will start filing reports with maybe some suggestions. Smarter people than I. Terminator Resistance is 30 bucks. Um, and it's gotten very favorable reviews so far. Uh, let's see. Um, but yeah, this this game takes place basically in the part of Terminator 2 Judgment Day that you only got to see for like those like 30 very expensive seconds at the very beginning um, why won't it show me the store page came out yesterday all reviews very positive 114 although that's you know blah it's $39.99 so 40 bucks um yeah, experience the fate leading up to the decisive battle for the fate of mankind. War against the machines. Terminator Resistance, first-person shooter set during the future war scenario that was only glimpsed at in the iconic films The Terminator and T2 Judgment Day. The machines are destined to lose, but at what cost? Well, that's a spoiler alert. I didn't know that. Are they destined to lose? 
I don't, I don't know. I haven't seen any of the new ones. Jokimon uh, was, and I were talking a couple of days ago, and he said that he just saw um, one of the new Terminators. I haven't seen any of them. I stopped at Terminator 2. I see Terminator 1 and 2. Alright, that brings us to our deals. Um, and we'll do it sans music, and then that'll get us to our feature, which is going to melt your tiny little fucking brains if I can get drunk enough to do it appropriately. That's the Wow, it's an oddly appropriate and ironic uh, tagline for that segment. But anyway, first up, the deals. For those of you with virtual reality headsets, a game that I have long lusted after, but have been physically unable to bring myself to pay full price for, Space Pirate Trainer is 50% off now through November 20th at $7.49. It's one of the most highly reviewed games in virtual reality, and it's one that I've lusted after since, fuck, since it was released. Um, it's a weird game. I played it. It is very strange. It's it's like basically an akimbo laser blaster simulator. From what I can tell, there's no locomotion. It might just be a problem with my configuration. But you're like basically stuck in place on a space disc facing like the universe. And then it's an arcade shoot 'em up where you bullet dodge by using your body. You can play I was playing it seated. I don't know if you're supposed to or if you have to play it standing later on or whatever. But uh, I was very impressed. And at $7.49, pick it up. It's not going to go on a better sale than that, you know, anytime soon that I can foresee. So if you've lost it after uh, Space Pirate Trainer... Oh, and by the way, the action in it is... It seems really cool. Like, I would really wish that I... I really wish that I was still playing it right now. But uh, I only saw it um, earlier today while I was taking my lunch break. Um, also, a game that I've spent now, how long have I spent? Uh, 1.2 hours, but they've been very enjoyable 1.2 hours. Imagine Diablo 3 with a limited skill tree, no cohesive story, excellent online matchmaking, set in a far-flung robotastic uh, future against aliens on insane fucking exotic planets that you know, uh, humans and synthetic life forms have discovered over like, I'll say the intervening millennia um, from the present day and then just smash into a blast them up fucking four player multiplayer, online multiplayer robot kill festival of organic stuff in a hyper colorful demi isometric uh three quarter top down sort of view and that gives you kill squad kill squad builds itself as unleash hell in a co-op uh, action RPG where bounty hunters raid planets for glory. Choose your quest in the online contract system. Unlock skills mid-mission to adapt. Wreak havoc with unique weapons, scavenge materials to boost them. And if you survive, spend your bounty on gear to live another day. So it's almost like a roguelike, but the cool thing about this game, it's not gonna fucking break, you know, it's not gonna set a new world record for innovation or 
for um, complex fucking strategy, action strategy, nor is it going to set a new fucking standard for storytelling. What it does, though, is give you absolutely mindless run-and-gun shit with other people who will join your session, whether you like it or not, um, in a really, really, really easy to pick up and play, hard to put down, um, Blastem Fest. The whole game is designed to be quick and fast and filled with carnage and, uh, your upgrade choices that you make inside of each mission are not that important and sadly the upgrade choices that you seem to make after you survive, I've, I've survived two missions um, don't seem to be that um, significant to your future playtime, but I've only played two missions in an hour and a half but it's great when you're stoned and if you've been thinking about playing Kill Squad, because it's still in early access, it's on a weekend sale now through November 18th so that's three days from now 30% off at $17.49. So there you go. Now, for those of you who are at work or who have small children around or who are just uncomfortable with really, really unbelievable, unbelievable. Hey, I think this is porn. Sound of you saying, hey, I think this is porn. This concludes this week's episode. For the rest of you, well, here we go. Buckle up. Our featured game this week, to say that our featured game this week is by far the most insane game that we've ever talked about extensively on this show is an understatement. I have seen over my fucking 800 years of video gaming, I'm going to be 40 soon, so I'm fucking old. Um, I've played a lot of fucking video games. I've played a lot of porno video games. I have experienced porn in virtual reality numerous times at AVN. And every time that I've, I've experienced, you know, full on virtual reality, um, video porn, um, it has left me feeling like, I mean, I watch a lot of porn. I'm big into porn. I, I, you know, don't worry about when the internet dies. I got all the porn here. I have the backup of it. Um, so we're covered, we're cool for porn when, when the world ends, the internet's gone. Got that covered. But when I, when I tried virtual reality porn, it was like, oh my God, I've never felt so absolutely alone. It makes you feel more like it's, it's not good. It's not good. I have played multiple generations of, uh, porno-based games, hentai games, insane Japanese tentacle rape porn games, like when we were in high school, because we had a Japanese friend who also got Bushido Blade 2, which was awesome, but he uh, he had all these crazy fucked up uh, tentacle rape um, games. All of that shit goes by the wayside in terms of this week's game. All of those games were just about the fucking, right? I'm going explain it to him. Or not. This week's game is like almost a psychotic episode. 
and it's impossible to to it's 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 a difficult game to wrap your mind around without becoming instantly fixated on why the fuck did you do this at what point did no one stop you from doing this at what point did you think this was a good idea at what point then subsequent to that point did you really get excited about this idea excited enough to actually bring it into the fulsome reality that you've brought to um, to the gaming public I spent all week talking up this game to various friends of mine um, explaining to them that it's a game that I can't live stream I can't even fucking upload I couldn't even upload video of my playtime to our Dropbox without Dropbox eventually probably getting pissed off that like that video is on there that is how insane this game is but I spent all week talking this game up to various friends of mine saying that it is a heartbreaking work of staggering genius based on the original Jane Austen novel. you know, Broforce was a game that bent my mind in a lot of ways this game is like an MST3K hardcore extreme porno version of Broforce, but see, because, here's the thing name of the game is Sex and Guns VR it is the only game ever made to my knowledge that combines in a virtual reality environment all of, well, this is what it would this is its mission statement, I would say. Combines all of the elements, all of your favorite elements from absolute hardcore virtual reality, interactive graphic anime style porn, realistic fucking full on fucking. Like we were talking penetration. We'll get to that in a moment. Cause, cause I know you're thinking, what the fuck are you talking about, Scookie? You realize, by the way, I don't need hentai or porno games to jerk off. I have tons of porn. I like. I, I prefer to jerk off manually, to quote Big Lebowski. Of course you do. Jackie Treehorn. But this game ostensibly combines all of your favorite aspects of hardcore, full-on, really graphic, full penetration, interactive, virtual sex with uh, unbelievably hot um, computer graphic models who are well, who have good voice acting behind them combines that with your other major passion being inside of a fully immersive virtual reality horror shooter focused entirely on like John Woo style use of guns in virtual reality. So you take Pavlov VR okay you make it shitty 
Because this game does it, obviously there's no way this game is going to be able to bring off no pun intended both of these things. But holy shit, it's still in early access but holy shit does it make a valiant effort <laughs> trying to combine them. And so the ultimate experience the cumulative experience of sex and guns is like you it's like it's a jarring discordant <laughs> utterly insane it's it's not hallucinogenic it's like it's like having a psychotic episode especially with this Halloween update in which I guess they changed the um the starting mission. So here here's the premise. Well actually you know what? You don't need another premise. Here's what you need to do. I can't even really put the links to the Steam store page into any place where the show blurb for this week's show is gonna go. But after having sent numerous people all of whom have been less impressed than I was, because my, my jaw fell to the floor when I saw this fucking game on the store, Steam. It's 25 bucks. I paid for it. I love it. I do not regret it at all. It is so fucking bizarre. And it does accomplish both of its goals. It's still in early access. It's a one-man developer. And he is buying all of the... A- Everything about this game just gets weirder and weirder. He's not developing all these assets. He's buying them. And then incorporating them piecemeal into his game. The game is playable. And I will tell you this. I was shocked that it was not way less functional and way less enjoyable, especially in terms of the shooting sequences. But we'll get to the sex sequences in a moment. But, uh, He's giving it fucking nuts! Sex and guns. Go to their Steam store page by finding them on the web. Like, or, or just search the Steam store site. Sex and guns VR is what you want. There is a non-VR variant of it, but why you would play that, I do not know. When there is a virtual reality variant of it. Because like, oh yeah, you know what I really like to do? To relax, I like to fight um, jump scare zombies in statically scripted um, shooting sequences, although through which I have full free range of motion. There's a lot of stuff that this game actually gets right from a design perspective, which makes it only more bizarre. Cause, and then there's stuff that it just totally fails at. That's like amazing. It's it's oh, It reminds me the closest analogy I can give you to this game is is if you were to watch a couple of weeks ago we did a full review of um, Super Mega Baseball 2 and we had our roving correspondent Kevin so is it is it Namanama209 to you, the big league boys so have you seen Long Bombs Away if you watch that YouTube video of Kevin doing uh, Ball Champions if you watch that video and the way it's edited together and everything. But you watch it as if you're expecting it to be like a professionally edited and put together actual um, package for Sports Center of like, you know, player interviews and stuff with like a competent interviewer and shit. 
that is kind of what Sex and Guns VR is. So, the gun part. The guns don't exactly, like the reloading of the guns, which tries to be as in detail as Pavlov VR, it doesn't really work that well. This leads to many frustrating uh, experiences where zombies eat your brains as you're overwhelmed by endless hordes of them uh, when you can't shoot them in the head. When you can't shoot them in the head, when you can reload your guns, um, when and this might have been a problem with my actual knuckles controllers for the HTC Vi- for the um, Valve Index. I'm sorry, because uh, I didn't realize that they hadn't been charged in a while, and I haven't had a chance to play the game since. But for some reason, it was impossible to pull a new clip and put it in my gun. It was like hit or miss, and I would say three out of five times it would miss and it doesn't like show you pulling the clip off your vest and putting it in the gun like in Pavlov VR it just doesn't show you anything and so and sometimes it makes a sound of the new clip going in the gun sometimes it doesn't so then you have to pull back the slide if it's a pistol and lots of times you'll be pulling back the slide on an empty gun for which you drop the clip and there's no clip in the gun this is just fucking madness and it's just and all of this becomes I don't enjoy okay so like one of the things about MST3K Mystery Science Theater 3000 and specifically the filmography of Coleman Francis and stuff and of uh, and of um, what's his name the guy who did uh, uh, Man of of Fate uh, uh, Harold R. Allen or whatever the fuck uh, Fertilizer Company of El Paso we need more booze we're only gonna go for about 10 more minutes cause Fuck, but we're gonna get to the sex real soon. Um, one of the things that like I hate about people who watch those movies and actually like think that Coleman Francis is stuff is great without the MST3K commentary is that you're loving absolute war atrocities of an artful catastrophe, and you're taking great glee in the fact that it's a catastrophe. For me, there is no movie that's so bad that it's good. And for me in general, there's never been a game that is so bad that it's good. I was, for a while, working on a game that was intentionally so bad that it was good, but blah, this game Sex and Gun is the first game I may have ever played that is so fucking horrible that it is good. And I played Pachinko's Sexy Reaction and reviewed it for the main ROM review, for fuck's sake. Spent fucking 30 hours in that game. If I, I could get those 30 hours back, I would take them back. This game fails in unexpected ways, succeeds in unexpected ways, and is ultimately just like, what the fuck are you thinking, dude? Like, why would you put these two fucking things together? So, and I would be lying if I didn't say that ultimately it all comes together in a very compelling I haven't beaten it yet, but it is very compelling and hilarious in a lot of ways hilarious, but it's not hilarious in a way that is intentional it is hilarious in the way that like Man of the Hands of Fate is fundamentally hilarious in the way that like uh, Mission to Mars Actually, no, there's nothing funny about Mission to Mars. That movie was just fucking terrible. 
So here's the deal. You play this ex-military guy. You work for this chick who's named the boss, I think. She walks into your office. You've been sleeping on your desk because I guess they couldn't afford a transition. Because once you find out that the guy is buying all of these assets, it makes it so much more insane. Because it's like this guy really wants to make this game. And and it totally deserves its 66% approval rating. But none of the critiques actually drill down, no pun intended, into any of the aspects that make the game either good or bad in a way that I think that I found satisfying. So you get like two dialogue options, and then like you're you have to pick up this this little box that has like a radio message from some chick who's being attacked by gangbangers. And then you have to service the boss, and she is smoking hot. All the chicks in the game are really, really hot. In fact, even in virtual reality, the fact that they are computer graphic uh, animations, the fact that they're they're fully rigged computer models with absolutely realistic vaginas and tits and stuff actually kind of makes it like a unique form of porn that really is appealing to me but here's the ultimate irony you have the two knuckles controllers on your fucking hands there's no way you can jerk off to this and you need both hands which is such a fucking hilarious conceit it's like it's like if they made a porno game in the 90s or like early 2000s where you had to keep both of your hands on the mouse. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. It is, I'm sure it's not intentional. I'm pretty sure no one's even considered the implications of this. But I did because I, you know, it does scratch a particular itch for me in that I just spend so much time working with uh, rigging and modeling. But okay. So, you have to take off your boss's clothes. This is an infuriating and complex process. Actually, it's not. It was surprisingly um, bug-free. Other aspects of the game are really fucking buggy, though. Like, the fact that I can climb, like, sheer walls inside my office and then look down at my boss who's bent over naked on my fucking desk. Okay, so let's get to the fucking. Alright. So, you take off her clothes and then it switches to the next scene which is her in a position and I think the first one it's like her doggy style or no first position is like her missionary on the desk and then you have this thing called the robocock <laughs> and you can switch from the robocock to your fingers and we'll get to that in a moment at will, ostensibly and theoretically you can grab parts of her body and pose them or move them to make her shift positions this completely does not work but you can do other fun things like mouth fuck her while grabbing her head and slamming her head back of her head against your desk <laughs> while in frustration you try to work this robocop which is a disembodied fucking dick <laughs> and balls <laughs> which can stay like active you can switch like the sex act by clicking on these different things that are all <laughs> frustrating but what's funny is 
sometimes your hand will get stuck on one of these hot items, like, you know, like you can select like her knees to, like, you know, move her knees around and stuff. It's not like having a rag doll, and in fact, it's actually pretty good, except for when your hand gets stuck on something. Because, okay, so to work the robocock, you know, in and out of her fucking, your fucking cunt, which is fucking 3D realistic and so real looking, it's disturbing. <laughs> you have to move up and down on the D-pad or just hold up and and it'll just keep going in and out. And so you can do other things with your <laughs> But your hands are constantly getting stuck on shit. So this is like becomes like the most graphic. It's like if, if as if Woody Allen directed a porno, an interactive porno that's like meant to be like a satire, but it's not meant to be a satire because it's so hardcore. For instance, in the second sex scene, which, you know, th- these all stack together. It's like you have to, you have, she has to come and you have to come, but there's no like come meter. The voice acting is great, uh, more or less. <laughs> um, but not in an anime style. It's like, it's, it's actually pretty good voice acting, which makes it really kind of hot in a weird way. But you're too busy laughing. <laughs> you're laughing and just kind of, sc- I was, I wasn't even stoned. I played it twice. I played it once when I was stoned and once when I was sober and then later on I played it again when I was stoned and it was just fucking hilarious. <laughs> my hands are getting stuck to her knee and so like I'm my left hand is like stuck on her knee and I'm trying to fuck her with the rubber. <laughs> her knees are going spastic everywhere. Um, mouth fucking her was particularly funny uh, and you can, you know, do whatever you want with the Robocock, you know, blah 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 later on, eventually, ostensibly once you beat the game, there is a room where you can completely customize uh, it's a quiet room, there's no more zombies, because um, that's the, what the game, that, those are the enemies in the game and they're zombies um, but so, back to the boss because this is like the only full sex scene that I've completed because uh, I spent an hour on the second mission trying to fucking reload my gun. <laughs> this was after the most infuriating 25 minute long fucking uh, introductory introductory uh, what do you call it? A preamble where you're like basically in a train yard. It's completely pitch black. You have like a uh, flashlight attachment on um, an assault rifle and that flashlight attachment does nothing to pierce the inky blackness all around you and there's just, the zombie sounds are really scary and then then there's fucking it's great, once you get to the end of the blah, there's an infuriating ladder climbing sequence in the beginning <laughs> it's amazing, I was like wow they must really know that I am desperate to see what this fucking is like, it took me 10 minutes to get up that ladder it was amazing. But so in the second scene with your boss, as you pleasure your boss, she's now doggy style over your desk. And I accidentally clicked something on one of my Knuckles controllers, and the robo dick turned into fingers. And there's her gaping asshole and her <laughs> it's realistic looking too, which is really disgusting. <laughs> and her super tight fucking 33 year old cut and so I, I, I switch 
my hand, my my robo dick, my sexual tool appendage to focus on the cunt, and so it automatically goes to the asshole. And instead of the robo <laughs> coming out, it's my fingers that come out. And so I I click on what I think is the same button, but it can't be the same button because now instead of one finger, there's two fingers, then three. Now I'm fisting my boss's asshole. <laughs> Why? Why? I'm grabbing her head and slamming it into the fucking desk. I'm, I'm just like, at what point? At what point did it, no one stop this guy? And I'm imagining he had to have pumped tons of money into this game already. This is like his dream. And... Etc. 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 Yeah, the fucking continues later on. Ostensibly, you get to a, a place where you can just fuck whoever you want, however the fuck you want to fuck them, and you can completely customize them. You can give them, dress them different outfits, and all this other shit. But I'm very far from there. I hope I'm very far from there because I'm gonna beat this fucking game. So after you've pleasured your boss and everyone is, there is no jizz in the game that's another weird thing, although I may have just missed it, I may have come inside her, I don't know see, I told you this is going to be the most offensive episode of this podcast ever I warned you so <laughs> I really wish I could live stream this on Twitch but there's no fucking way they would ever let, and I, I can't post any of the clips, because it is graphic, graphic, full on fucking, it is sex and gun and then the gun parts are actually really good except for the fact that you, I had such problems with reloading, because the second mission is, okay, you better get out of here now and go save that girl, and that's like the whole plot of that first mission, and so you, like, magically spawn outside of this kind of threadbare like, it's like, graphically it's threadbare, it's texture-wise it's threadbare house that is like it's a weird model for a house, but it's actually a really fun place to have a zombie firefight in if you could reload. And uh, it turns out the gangbangers that are holding the chick hostage have now become zombies, and there are a lot of them. It was a house party gone wrong. And so you kill the first like couple, and then you get into the hallway, and the house is designed in this fucked up way, but it's actually really fun to be able to lean around corners and just shoot zombies in the head and you do feel like an action badass there, yeah okay so when you but you can't reload (laughs) and ostensibly when you rescue the girl you get to fuck her um obviously (laughs) what goes better than guns, zombies and hardcore computer graphic animated pornography that's completely interactive in a full-blown virtual 360 degree interactive virtual reality environment in which you are capable of using your hands on anything except for yourself and your gun yes, so now for those of you who are not at work or not in front of the family and stuff who have some private time alone search the Steam store for Sex and Gun VR. I, I actually really like this game. I'm never returning it. It is, without a doubt, a fucking milestone in video gaming history. Like, if, it's one thing you cannot take away from this, this solo developer. And it's ironic that he's a solo developer because. <laughs> 
and the comments for the user reviews are pretty funny, but none of them actually address like the gameplay issues in any material way. Like I think I'm pretty, I've given you a pretty good concept of what the game is like. Um, oh, and everything except for the girls kind of looks like shit, but the girls are really hot. They're really hot. Mm. They're really hot. They're smoking hot. Um, yeah. Uh, but okay, so when you have a quiet moment, search the Steam store for sex, sex and gun VR. And here's what I need you to do. Make sure you move the little media bar all the way to the left. You know, like where you can select the screenshots or the videos. And here's the order of the videos that you have to watch. And be sure to watch them with the sound on. And do them in this order, and then you can thank me later. Watch the first video. The fourth video. The third video. And then the second video. The second video was like the deal was what sealed the deal for me because it's like a 20 second video shows you banging this chick from behind in virtual reality with your robocock that's like a fucking five feet in front of you and you're banging she's like oh yeah baby yeah and she's like on a bed or whatever and you're like she's like doggy style kind of and she pulls out an Uzi and the door breaks open and she's shooting all these up it is a fucking madness so if you need to feel like you are an escape mental patient sex and gun VR is not a good game for anybody but it has potential actually I'm serious it has potential to be a really good game (laughs) in fact I'm wondering if it might have been my controllers dying that made that accounted for my hands getting stuck on certain parts of the body and then also not being able to reload I might be I might have to run a huge correction. This is not a review. This is just a feature. And don't worry, we're not going to be... You know, I, I was going to... After I started playing Sex and Gun VR, though, I found this other game called Hentai Area 51, which is particularly relevant to me because it it's it takes place on the day that they were going to storm um, Area 51 out here. But instead of, like, comic nerds and alien freaks and etc., none of that ever ended up happening really um, and Josh Ellis there with a bullhorn um, instead of that it is sexy anime girls not hentai chicks but anime girls with big tits and big asses and like it, they're very very cute they, they've really uh, gotten the tune shading down from Blender uh, make those albedos really big um, mm, with the, just the right color palettes with automatic weapons assaulting full-on military base, but I would be talking about that game, but in that game I couldn't make any guns shoot. So, I just turned that one off. But sex and guns, I could shoot, and I did shoot. Shot a lot of things, and a lot of people. So yeah, there you go. The most disturbing episode of this podcast, at least for this week, is now completed. I will catch you later. I will take us out with something good. The internet is for poor. The internet is for poor. What are you doing? Hey, I think this is porn. Porn, porn, porn. A good idea. Tracky. Oh, hello, kid monster. You are ruining my song. Oh, me sorry. Me no mean to. Well, if you wouldn't mind, please being quiet for a minute so I can finish. Okie dokie. Good.
I'm glad we have this new technology. Poor porn. Don't keep fucking saying that to me! Poor porn. Oh, sorry. From your own desktop. For. You can research, browse, and shop. Until you've had enough and you're ready to stop. It is I, E.B. Farm. Internet is for poor. The internet is for poor. A good idea. Hugging me, porn to porn, porn, porn. That's gross. That is a fact. Pervert. I like you. I'll get you a drink. Oh, really? You're a pervert. Normal people don't sit at home and look at porn on the internet. Oh? What? You have no idea. Ready, normal people? Ready. Good evening, pricks! <laughs> internet is horrible. Sorry, Kate. The internet is horrible. I masturbate. All these guys unzip their flies for porn. Porn. The internet is not for porn. Flames, flames, flames on the side of my face. A good idea. Internet is for porn. I hate porn. Grab your dick and double click for porn. 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 I hate men. Porn. I'm leaving. Porn. I hate the internet. The internet is for internet is for internet is for porn. Yeah. And wipe your hands. If I see a smudge, I will have you destroyed. The best Linux games podcast is brought to you by Blue Wizard is about to die. Now available for the first time as an ebook on Amazon.com. To subscribe to the podcast using a Linux-based podcatcher like Podracer, or to see our YouTube gameplay videos, please visit www.bestlinuxgames.com. Also, join our Steam community group, Best Linux Games, Friends Cookie Sprite, and follow him on Twitter at VegasWriter. BLGP is also brought to you by the Radio Control Room Project. For details, please visit www.rcrproject.com or rfihc.com. Zig thanks you. For great justice.